The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. As listeners to this show probably know by now, I'm a hospital chaplain who constantly encourages the institutional faiths to embrace the reality of near-death experiences. The reluctance on the part of traditional Christian denominations to do so seems to hinge on two articles of faith, the notion of reincarnation and the biblical injunctions against sin and the warning that God's judgment will punish the sinner, perhaps for all time. Near-death experiencers, on the other hand, often report that the light of God's love is so strong, so forgiving, that they can't believe in a place of punishment after death. Moreover, the percentage of Christians who ordinarily believe that we live a series of lives more than doubles among those who experience an NDE. According to polls, about 25% of Christians entertain the notion of reincarnation. However, that number jumps to more than 60% among those who those Christians who've had a near-death experience. Of course, many traditional religions, apart from Christianity, accept reincarnation as fact. It's part of their religion. Buddhists, Hindus, and even some Jews and Muslims believe we live many lives. Most notably, the mystery elements of those faiths believe in reincarnation. So, for instance, you'd be more likely to hear stories of reincarnation from Kabbalist Jews, those who Jews of the mystical Kabbalah tradition, and Sufi Muslims, although they are uh, obliged to accept the more orthodox interpretation of their faith. Uh, Likewise, Gnostic Christians, few as they may be, are more likely schooled in the teachings of the early church fathers, such as Origen, that we live many lives before we're done. So in this brief half hour, I plan to quickly uh, overview um, the beliefs uh, in reincarnation. And I'm extending my apologies in advance to my old teacher of Eastern Studies at Columbia University, William Theodore DeBerry, recently deceased, for how uh, superficial a half hour spent on reincarnation is bound to be. But we'll begin with an early NDE account, the story of Ur from Plato's Republic. In this story, Plato details the death experience from beginning to end. And here from Plato's Republic is the description uh, just before the return to your new life. Of course, I'm very mindful of Plato these days, having uh, talked uh, uh, to some extent with uh, Raymond Moody, who was very influenced by this story. So this, uh, this is an abridged, uh, excerpt from, um, Plato's Republic. The souls have returned to a place where they are going to, uh, prepare for reincarnation. And the Republic reports, first of all, there came a prophet who arranged them in order, the souls, that is. Then, then he took from the knees of the past, which is personified, lots and samples of lives, and having mounted a high pulpit, spoke as follows. Hear the word of Lachias, the past, the daughter of necessity. Mortal souls, behold a new cycle of life and mortality. 
your genius, which you might think of as your guardian angel, will not be allotted to you, but you will choose your genius and let him who draws the first lot have the first choice, and the life which he chooses shall be his destiny. Virtue is free, and as a man honors or dishonors her, he will have more or less of her, that is, virtue. The responsibility is with the chooser. Theos is justified. And then the Republic goes on, when the interpreter had thus spoken, he scattered lots. Uh, and by lot, you can think of, well, that was, that was his lot. <laughs> That's where that expression comes from. He scattered lots indifferently among them all, and each took them, uh, up, that each of them took up the lot which fell near him, and each, as he took his lot, perceived the number which he had obtained. And then the interpreter placed on the ground before them the samples of lives. There And there were many more lives than the souls present, and they were of all sorts. So we have a choice, the Republic is saying. We have somewhat of a choice um, of the different kinds of life we will live uh, uh, in going into the future. And as examples, they said there were tyrannies among them some lasting out the tyrant's life, others which broke off in the middle and came to an end in poverty and exile and beggary. And there were lives of famous men, some who were famous for their form and beauty as well as for their strength and success in games, or again for their birth and the qualities of their ancestors, and some who were the reverse of famous for the opposite qualities. And... and um, I'm abridging here somewhat for reasons of time. There was every other quality, and they all mingled with one another, and also with elements of wealth and poverty and disease and health, and there were mean uh, intermediate states also. And then the Republic goes on, and here is the supreme peril of our human state, and therefore the utmost care should be taken to choose always and everywhere the better life as the chooser has the opportunity. He will then look at the nature of the soul, and from the consideration of all of these qualities, he will be able to determine which is the better and which is the worse. And so he will choose giving the name of evil to the life which will make his soul more unjust, and good to the life which will make his soul more just. All else he will disregard, for this is the way of happiness. Of course, the Republic... And Plato warned that oftentimes people just go for the gold. They want to be rich and famous. They want to be happy and powerful. And um, even though they can see the consequences of that life, they don't uh, resist it until afterwards they may have a moment of repentance or sorrow for the choice that they've made. Most curious, um, and this is Ur reporting, so most curious, Ur said, was the spectacle of these souls, sad and laughable and strange, for the choice of the souls was in most cases based on their experience of a previous life. And that could have been in reaction to their previous life. And as an example, he cites Odysseus, who being a hero and a public figure and a warrior was then uh, later uh, chose a private personal life that uh, did not involve uh, um, participating in the in, um, the role that he had lived in his previous life. 
The Republic goes on. All the souls had now chosen their lives and they went in the order of their choice of their choice to the past who was sent with them, who sent with them the genius whom they had severally chosen to be the guardian of their lives and the fulfiller of their choice. This genius led the souls first to Clotho, the present, and drew them within the revolution of the spindle impelled by her hand. <clears throat> thus ratifying the destiny of each. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then when they were hast- fastened to this, carried them to Atropos, the future, <clears throat> who spun the threads and made them irreversible. In other words, their lives are being spun before them. Whence, without turning round, they passed beneath the throne of necessity. And when they had all passed, they marched on in a scorching heat to the plain of forgetfulness, that's Leth, which was a barren waste destitute of trees and verdure. And then towards evening they encamped by the river of unmindfulness, whose water no vessel can hold. Of this they were all obliged to drink a certain quantity. And those who were not saved by wisdom drank more than was necessary. And each one, as he drank, forgot all things. This is the river of forgetfulness, Leth. Now, after they had gone to rest, about the middle of the night, there was a thunderstorm, an earthquake, and then, in an instant, they were driven upwards in all manner of ways to their birth, like stars shooting. So that's an abridged account of rebirth, as witnessed by the NDE or Ur, as described by Plato, writing some 2,400 years ago. So now let's look at some of the more uh, recent um uh, beliefs in reincarnation. We'll start with a brief account of Tibetan Buddhism. So Mick Brown, writing in the Telegraph, the UK Telegraph, July 1st, 2014, wrote this very uh, uh, handy synopsis. Tibetan Buddhism holds there are two ways that someone can take rebirth after death. The first is to be reborn involuntarily under the sway of karma, drawn back to life by destructive emotions and desires. This is the fate of most of us. A few select others through the power of compassion and prayer to benefit others are believed to be able to choose their place in time of birth as well as choosing their parents. And then from a BBC website on the Internet on religions generally, they they speak of the bardo. Bardo is the state between death and rebirth. The different schools of Tibetan Buddhism have different understandings of the state, which is regarded as lasting for 49 days. The experience of a person during bardo depends on their spiritual training during life. An untrained person is thought to be confused as to where they are and may not realize that they have died. People are often unwilling to give up attachment to their previous life and their negative emotions and those uh, people may uh, cause their rebirth to be less good than it would otherwise have been. In traditional Tibetan Buddhism, the dead person is helped through bardo by a lama who reads prayers and performs rituals from the Book of the Dead, advising the deceased to break free from attachment to their past life and their dead body. In some schools of Tibetan Buddhism, the Lama will actively help the dead person to transfer their consciousness from their body in preparation for rebirth. 
to um, to go on. And many Tibetan Buddhists believe that it is possible for those left behind to assist the dead person on their journey by doing spiritual work that increases the merits of the deceased and thus helps them to a better rebirth. And I might add at this point that um, many uh, other religions also believe that they can aid the uh, the soul of their deceased ancestors with prayer, uh, with meditation, um, with, um, well, in the case of uh, Catholics before Martin Luther, by paying a priest to say masses uh, for the deceased soul and thus to shorten his time in purgatory. So this is an ongoing tradition in many cultures. All right, let's move from Buddhism to a look at a description of Hindu reincarnation. Now this is from Jayaram von Hinduwebsite.com. Jayaram V on uh, Hinduwebsite.com. He writes, According to Hinduism, a soul reincarnates again and again on earth until it becomes perfect and reunites with its source. During this process, the soul enters into many bodies, assumes many forms, and passes through many births and deaths. And this concept is summarily described in the following verse of the Bhagavad Gita. Quote, Just as a man discards worn-out clothes and puts on new clothes, the soul discards worn-out bodies and wears new ones. According to Hinduism, a being has to live many lives and undergo many experiences before it attains perfection and becomes one with the divine. The Hindu theory of creation suggests that creation begins when the individual souls become separated from the undifferentiated one. It continues as the evolution of life and consciousness in matter uh, uh, progresses upon and consciousness and matter as it progresses upon earth and phases. And during this process, some souls manage to return to God, their source, through the transformation of matter or prakriti, um, in which they remain hidden and bound. The remaining souls continue their existence and return to him in the end, not through transformation, but through the great destruction that happens at the end of each time cycle. Thus, the great cycle of creation, stretching over millions of years, comes to its logical end. There's an interesting comparison that I don't have time to go into, but the um, point A to point Z, the linear description of uh, Christian belief and the circular uh, construct of Hindu belief. Let's go on to uh, Kabbalah. Uh, and the uh, subject of Judaism and reincarnation. There's a site, Kabbalah Online, in which uh, Yarachmiel Tillis writes, Many Jews are surprised to learn, he writes, or many even wish to deny that reincarnation, the revolving of souls through a succession of lives, or Gilgalim, is an integral part of Jewish belief. But this teaches, this teaching has always been around, and it firm, it's firmly rooted in source uh, verses, and examples abound. Ramban, one of the great, greatest commentators on the Torah and on the Talmud, and a seminal figure in Jewish history, hints several times that reincarnation is the key to penetrating the deep mysteries involved in the mitzvah of Yibom. 
the obligation of the brother of a child, a childless deceased man to marry the widow, as just as an example. In his explanation of Genesis 38, verse 8, he insists that Yehuda and his sons were aware of the secret of reincarnation and that this was a major factor in their respective attitudes towards Tamar. And I'll let you look that up if you want. Genesis 38, 8. <clears throat> he goes on, the Jewish understanding of reincarnation is different from Buddhist doctrines. It in no way leads to fatalism. At every point of moral decision in his life, a Jew has complete free choice. If not for freedom of choice, how unfair it would be of God to make demands on us, especially when reward and punishment is involved. Reincarnation does not imply predetermination. It is rather an opportunity for rectification and soul perfection. And this actually is one of the reasons I think that uh, near-death experiencers have a higher uh, uh, belief in, in reincarnation so that each soul gets a fair chance at, um, at making it through this world by living many lives. Uh, the writer goes on, the Holy Ari explained it most simply. Every Jew must fulfill all 613 mitzvah. And if he doesn't succeed in one lifetime, he comes back again and again until he finishes. And for this reason, events in a person's life may lead him toward certain places, encounters, etc., in a way that may or may not make sense. Divine providence provides each person with the opportunities he needs to fulfill those particular mitzvah necessarily for the perfection of his soul. But the responsibility lies with us. At the actual moment of decision in any given situation, the choice is ours. One of the ways in which heaven maintains our ability to exercise complete freedom of choice is by not allowing us conscious knowledge of previous incarnations. Consequently, it might seem to some people that there is little practical benefit in being aware of this doctrine. And furthermore, many scholars contend that these mystical concepts can easily be misunderstood or carried to erroneous and misleading conclusions. We can therefore understand why this and similar subjects are only hinted at at scripture and why some knowledge and a great deal of determination are often required in order to gain access to this information. And uh, Kevin Williams writes... The first century Jewish historian Flavius Josephus wrote about the Pharisees being believers in reincarnation. The Pharisees were the Jewish sect which Paul belonged to before his NDE and conversion to Christianity. Josephus wrote about the Pharisees' belief that the souls of evil men are punished after death, but the souls of good men are, quote, removed into other bodies, end quote, and they will have, quote, power to revive and live again. Unquote. That's Judaism. But even in Islam, there is a discussion of reincarnation. Sultan Shaheen, writing in the December 2003 Asia Times online, says of reincarnation in Islam, the Hindu belief in reincarnation is well known, but it does not, but it is not known that the Quran refers as kafir, deviant, anyone who does, doesn't believe in the possibility of rebirth. A great mystic, Mansur al-Hajjaj, al-Hajjaj wrote, 
Like the herbage, the herbs, I have sprung up many a time on the banks of flowing rivers. For a hundred thousand years I have lived and worked in every sort of body. The Quran itself uh, seems quite clear. Quote, and you were dead and he brought you back to life and he shall cause you to die and shall bring you back to life and in the end shall gather you unto himself. The words you were dead can only mean that they had lived before becoming dead. And the words in the end shall gather you unto himself could very well mean the attainment of release of moksha rather than an eternal life in heaven or hell. One thing is certain, most of the greatest saints Islam has produced believed in reincarnation, and it does constitute a part of many Muslims' belief systems. Uh, this is primarily caused by a reluctance on the part of many Muslims to believe that God will merely reward or punish human beings on the basis of a lifetime in which they may not have received the guidance necessary to improve their conduct. That God will just be reconciled to their being, uh, sent to an eternal life in heaven or hell without their being given another chance to improve themselves becomes a proposition difficult to believe. All of this from the Sultan Shaheen. And from the website Institute for the Integration of Science, Intuition, and Spirit comes the following references from the Quran. They write, there are several references in the Quran that seem to refer to reincarnation. Quote, and when his body falleth off altogether as an old fish shell, his soul doth well by releasing and formeth a new one instead. The person of man is only a mask which the soul putteth on for a season. It weareth its proper time and then is cast off and another is worn in its stead. Quote, God generates beings and sends them back over and over again till they return to him. Quote, how can you make denial of Allah, who made you live again when you died, will make you dead again and then alive again until you finally return to him? Quote, God is the one who created you all, then provided you sustenance, then will cause you to die, then will bring you to life. Quote, Surely it is God who splits the seed and the stone, bringing the living from the dead, and it is God who brings the dead from living. All these quotes from the Quran. Well, now, finally, uh, let's think uh, along some of the Christian lines on reincarnation. As I said, uh, Christianity has been scornful of it, um, and until 1945, when uh, the discovery of the Nag Hammadi Library took place in Egypt, uh, it was pretty much ignored, and uh, the the writings which they had thought were forever lost turned up, and many of the of these writings refer to um, their being Gnostic, refer to um, reincarnation. Uh, many revelations of early Christian thought on the subject, as I say, were revealed in, in 1945, the end of the war, the year we used the nuclear bomb for the first time, with the discovery of the Nag Hammadi Library. And um, as the Gnostic Society Library, which is online, reports, quote, the Nag Hammadi Library, a collection of 13 ancient books called Codices, 
containing over 50 texts, were discovered in Upper Egypt in 1945. This immensely important discovery includes a large number of primary Gnostic Gospels, texts once thought to have been entirely destroyed during the early Christian struggle to define orthodoxy. Scriptures such as the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Philip, and the Gospel of Truth. The discovery and translation of the Nag Hammadi Library initially completed in the 1970s has provided impetus to a major reevaluation of early Christian history and the nature of Gnosticism. Now, Kevin Williams, who writes a great deal online and is uh, really a good source, from his website, Reincarnation in the Bible, uh, Kevin Williams writes, Christians are usually very surprised to learn that incarnation was a doctrine once held by many early Christians. Not only that, as you will soon see, there is overwhelming evidence in the Bible of Jesus, in the Bible of Jesus himself teaching it. And then Williams uh, goes on to say, uh, the doctrines of pre-existence and reincarnation existed as secret teachings of Jesus until they were declared a heresy by the Roman Church in 553 A.D. at the Second Council of Constantinople. It was at this time that the Roman Church aggressively destroyed competing teachings and so-called heresies within the Church. Along with the destruction of unorthodox teachings came the destruction of Jews, Gnostics, and ultimately anyone who stood in the way of the Inquisition and the Crusades. So you can see where their heads were at. But some clues exist in this in the Bible even to this day, and William cites this one. There are many passages in Scripture where Jesus affirms the reality of reincarnation. This uh, The episode in the Bible where Jesus identified John the Baptist as the reincarnation of Elijah, the prophet, is one of the clearest statements which Jesus made concerning reincarnation. And this is a quote from Matthew chapter 11. For all the prophets in the law have prophesied until John, and if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who was to come. In the above passage, Jesus clearly identifies John the Baptist as the reincarnation of Elijah the prophet. Later in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus reiterates it. Quote, The disciples asked him, saying, Why then did the scribes say that Elijah must come first? But he answered them and said, Elijah indeed is come and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has has come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished, and so also shall the Son of Man suffer at their hand. And then the disciples understood that he had spoken of John the Baptist. In other words, that John the Baptist and his death were um, the fate of the of Elijah the prophet. That uh, last quote comes from Matthew 17, verses 10 through 13. And what did the Nag Hammadi Library add to our understanding of early Christian belief and reincarnation? Well, here are a few examples from the web, website Reincarnation in Early Christianity, which, by the way, opens with a note. Edgar Casey, who you probably are all familiar with, a near-death experiencer, affirmed that Gnosticism is the highest form of Christianity. In other words, he said, Mystical Christianity was the highest form of Christianity, reflecting his own 
mystical experiences himself. Well, this is a quote from the book of Thomas. Watch and pray that you may not be born in the flesh, but that you may leave the bitter bondage of this life. In other words, purify yourself and and, uh, go beyond reincarnation. In another part of the book of Thomas the Contender, Jesus tells the disciple Thomas that after death, those people who were once believers but have remained attached to things of transitory beauty will be consumed, quote, in their concern about life, unquote, and will be brought back to the visible realm. In other words, they will go through life once again. And from that same site comes the following. Jesus says the only way for these souls to escape is to acquire knowledge after coming from forgetfulness. That's the river of forgetfulness described 2,400 years ago by in, uh, um, in Plato's uh, writing about Ur. A soul can accomplish this by finding a teacher who can lead the soul in the right direction. And this is a quote from the secret book of John 14, verse 20. Quote, this soul needs to follow another soul in whom the spirit of life dwells because she is saved through the spirit and then she will never be thrust into flesh again. Unquote. Another Christian Gnostic book, the Pistis Sophia, which is Greek for faith wisdom, outlines a system of punishment and rewards that include reincarnation. According to the Pistis Sophia, some souls experience hell as a place of shadows and torture. However, after these souls pass through hell, they return to earth for further experiences. Only a, f- a relatively few extremely evil souls are not permitted to reincarnate. And these souls are cast into outer darkness until the time when they are destroyed and dissolved. Well, <laughs> that's all uh, the time we have for today. My thanks to all the websites I have referenced. If you'd like to listen to the show again or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. For information on IANS, check out their website at iands.org. And join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. <laughs>